Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Well, hello. Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. This, of course, the very special Monday Pickups Edition not just any pickups edition, but the Championship Week Pickups Pod. Wow. Uh, this, of course, also means that it's the last pickups pod for the NFL season. Uh, it's, it's, it's rough out there on the waiver wire this week. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not offering any league winning guarantees necessarily from any of these names, but we're going to try to help you a little bit. I am, of course, Andy Barons coming to you uh, right now from sunny Florida. I am joined by the multi-sport fantasy legend, the Hall of Famer, Scott Pianowski. Scott, how are you? How's the playoff portfolio looking? Uh, pretty good. Um, although a bunch of my teams did lose last week, but um, I had a good week 16. Still, I'm still trying to get the weeks down. This 18-week season. How about it? Is, I know. Uh, I wish they'd just go back to the way it was. It, they had a perfect setup, but... It was a good week. It'll be better if, um, as you're listening, um, as hopefully Tua won't do a lot against New Orleans. Jalen Waddle will be scarcely involved. Uh, those would be good things for me. In fact, I even bet the Tua underpassing prop. So <laughs> as you're reading about Tua, you know, throwing for 570 yards or something, you can laugh <laughs> that know that I was ripping a, a ticket an under 234 ticket on that. But uh, I need a low scoring game Monday night. I think we're going to get it. And uh, it was good. It was a good weekend for me. How about you? I am with you on the need for the low-scoring game. The two things that can hurt me are Alvin Kamara doing exactly what he did last year, right, and going off for like four or five touchdowns. I think I'm safe there. But in the uh, the Therese Paler League, in the all-juice Super League, um, I just need Devontae Parker held under like 15 fantasy points. So if we can keep Devontae Parker out of the end zone, that would be great. Uh, I think I advance in the uh, in the Kings Classic in with the the most hated team that anybody ever drafted is is still chugging along and probably going to make the finals. I am I like both sides are finished, um, but I, my lead is like a tenth of a point, and so I just need to avoid stat corrections this week. I'm also watching a few of my best ball teams. I have one best ball team that's in first place with Derrick Henry and a bunch of other really good injured players. I'm like, geez, this, this team would have been like, you know, they would have done a documentary on it had it stayed healthy, <laughs> but it's still in first place. Um, you know, it's uh, again, I always look at my bench. I think one week, none, literally nobody on my bench scored because <laughs> just not, there's nothing left, but yeah. um, that's been, it's been a, you know, we say survive advance in the playoffs. It's been a year about survival, right? It's, 
and whatever you needed to get done, you know, some of the players that you may have rode the last few weeks are, are not guys. I mean, we're going to talk about Rex Burkhead today, who I swear was on the first Patriots championship team. That, I mean, not, that's how long it feels like Rex Burkhead has been in the NFL. But you know, Jordan Howard's another guy. I know he's only like 26 or 27. It feels like he's 40. <laughs> you know, Jordan Howard has bounced around the league. But, um, you know, whatever you need, um, just find, find players who have projectable, you know. I mean, last year, last week, Austin Eckler gave us the winning play, right? He said, look, Justin Jackson's the guy. Go get him. Just flat and, uh, out told us on Eckler's Edge that you had to go out and get Justin Jackson in case there was I'm any lack they didn't, of clarity they didn't on that me for Eckler. They just didn't bring in Eckler for the for the guest spot here and just you know get rid of <laughs> Pianowski. But um, no, that's cool. And, and you know what? I, I want to say also about Eckler. It's just cool. I get why a lot of NFL players don't like fantasy because you know when they have a poor game, people go on social media and say rotten things to them and stuff like that. And and then there there are some players. Josh Jacobs comes to mind, who are just openly antagonistic about fantasy and will troll fantasy managers. You know, there's one week a few years ago where Josh Jacobs pretended he wasn't playing when he really yeah. was, and um, whatever. I don't want to go down that path too much, but it's just cool. Somebody like Austin Eckler who gets it. It's about fun. It engages interest in the NFL. He understands what we're trying to do. He plays fantasy himself. I, I just, you know, I know Adam Wayne Wright, the the baseball pitcher, is a big fantasy player. I, I, you know, these guys, I don't. If they don't want to be interested in it, that's fine. And again, don't don't at the players. You know, that's not cool. But um, I just appreciate the tone and and the spirit and the you know that he's brought to that pod with Liz. I think it's really a great show. And it, I, it's also been really nice that him. everybody they bring on the show um, is also super open to fantasy. Dawson Knox was great this last week, um, right. and he also like I don't know if you caught this. He like he he showed the world his hand, his fractured hand, which is like four times the size of a normal hand, and has fingers sticking out in all kinds of directions. Really so it's, hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It looked like a like a crazy shellfish or something it was it was amazing um it's not the but it is not the artist gilmore hand he, he famously for a seven <laughs> foot one setter had very small hands but um how, how did your hand size come out at the combine i, I know we were ta- we were discussing heights last week yeah i'm a i'm a wingspan hand size guy yeah i've got like the the six seven six eight wingspan i've got the 10 inch hands i've got you know i'm uh, there's there's some appealing traits here scott i'm not gonna lie yeah, if you're buying my birthday's in January, if you're going to buy me a new set of golf clubs or something, I do need the extra large. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> All right, we're a little bit off track here. Let's get back on. Um, I want to talk about the Bengals a little bit before we get into uh, into this week's pickups, into into title week pickups, because um, you feature Joe Burrow and and the rest of the Bengals in booms and busts. The team is now nine and six, sitting atop the division. It's the only team in the AFC North somehow to have a positive point differential. Uh, Field Yates, a good friend, gave us a a fun fact via Twitter. Um, Cincinnati is the first team to have a 4,000-yard passer, 1,000-yard rusher, and 2,000-yard receivers who are all 25 and under uh, in the same season. So these guys are all synced up in terms of age. They've been... I mean, they've been a little bit of a roller coaster team, right? Like just when we think, you know, or there, there was a time earlier in the year that we thought, wow, they're clearly the class of the division. They're going to challenge for like the top seed in the AFC. And then they and they fell off a cliff again. And, and now they're back right now. They're now they're rolling people again. So what are your thoughts on the Bengals generally right now? We did have a little bit of uh, maybe, maybe this affects Burrow. Maybe it doesn't. I hope it doesn't. Um, Brandon Allen, I believe, hit the hit the covid list. Hopefully he uh, didn't have exposure to number nine. Hopefully Burrow stays healthy and off the list. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on the Bengals exiting week 16? Yeah, Bur- Burrow joked about one reason why Cincinnati, why the Bengals had done pretty good with covid is that there's nothing to do in Cincinnati. So they don't you know, <laughs> they're not that. going out and. 
and you know hitting the town because just you know what's that mark mark twain i think was attributed to if the world was coming to an end he wanted to go to cincinnati because it would happen 10 years later but anyway <laughs> it's fun to see the bengals being good again um I, I threw a WKRP reference in my article, which I'm sure like seven people got. But um, they're really good for fantasy because it's such a narrow tree, right? When they get to the goal line, it's Joe Burrow. It's not It's not the second tight end. It's not the fullback. Um, Burrow will occasionally run, but he's not regarding those stats. It's, it's Mixon's got a ridiculous touchdown count. I mean, he didn't have a great yards per carry yesterday, but he still had a very active game because he also had a role as a receiver. They have kind of a one and a one a with with higgins and chase and you know some days higgins looks like the alpha some days chase looks like the alpha it doesn't really matter they're, they're both absolutely ridiculous what it's kind of done is made tyler boyd not fantasy playable every week he did have a long yeah. touchdown in week 16 he actually had a second touchdown called back but i wouldn't blame anybody who had you know given up on tyler boyd as a fantasy option because it's really it's the mixon show it's the t higgins show it's the chase show and it's the burrow show I guess the one quibble we've had for fantasy is that in game neutral scripts, they've actually run the ball a little bit more than expected. And you wonder if they still don't completely trust their pass protection. I'd love to see this team add an impact member of the offensive line. Not, of course, they're going to make the playoffs. They're not going to have the greatest draft position. And I'm not sure if they've traded any of their picks, but I'd love to see them just fortify that offensive line and get at least an average group in front of Burrow or maybe a plus group at some point because I still think that's the weakness of this offense and, and it's, it's below average as a unit. But, I mean, they do what we want for fantasy. They score points. They put the ball in the hands of predictable guys week after week. And, and Burrow's just, you know, I still go back to like Burrow's Heisman speech after he won the Heisman at LSU and just how humble it was and how – just thoughtful and, and mindful and grateful the guy is. He's an easy player to root for. The Bengals have been kicked around in this division. You know, the Steelers and the Ravens have, have kind of had their way in this division, and the, and the Browns and the Bengals have been the uh, you know the lesser teams. Uh, last year, Cleveland made the playoffs despite a negative point differential, and then this year it looks like it's maybe a Cincinnati's turn. I'm, I'm excited to see the Bengals in the playoffs. I think they could make some noise. I, I won't pick them to go to the Super Bowl, but I wouldn't be surprised if they beat anybody in the tournament. Yeah, Burrow, for me, vaulted to the head of the list of uh, uh, players who were easy to root for when he wore the Santa hat and the Krusty Krab sweatshirt to his uh, post-game press conference. That was a great look. I thought that was fantastic. Uh, to your point about Burrow, he is actually the most sacked quarterback in the league. He uh, he leads the NFL right now in time sacked with 47 and yards lost on sacks with 339. It's kind of an interesting combination of, of stats uh, in, in which he actually leads the NFL right now because he's on top of the field in terms of completion percentage, nearly 70%. Interceptions, 14. He's, uh, he's tied, I think, with various others. Uh, yards per attempt, which we care about a lot, at 8.7, and then and then time sacked. So it' pretty clear that the offensive line is, I would I would assume, where they need to go in the draft and in free agency and in any sort of tweaking that they do in the off season. And I another thing that you said that stuck out is uh, there was a little bit of conversation on Twitter yesterday because obviously T Higgins has been great basically since getting healthy over the last like month and a half, I think, I think four of his last five games, he's gone over a hundred yards. We don't need to pick an alpha here though. Right. Like that number one, that's not important. That's not a position. And number two, like it's a, it's a volume pass offense and they've got two stellar receivers in Jamar chase and T Higgins. Like it's one of those rare situations where if you had them both on a fantasy team for whatever reason, you can start them both and feel good about it. Yeah. I feel like next year, they'll be drafted very close to each other. And when one of them gets picked, it will be the signal that the other one's just about to go. 
they'll almost be picked in a tandem. And it's going to be it's going to be Cup and Woods. That had an obvious right answer this year, but we didn't know it at the time. Right? They're going to go right next to each other. Man, Cup, man, Cup and Woods, Cooper Cup, the the right answer to to all your fantasy elements. Let's be fair about the sack stat too. Let's not throw it all at the feet of the offensive line because sacks are also largely dependent on quarterbacks, quarterback decision making, and, and not just in the pocket, but even before the snap. Right? You know, did the quarterback see a blitz indicator? Did he adjust the protection? You know, Greg Cosell would tell you that every blitz comes with some sort of tip off that the quarterback. You know, it's incumbent on him to try to adjust to that before the play even starts. And that's why the great quarterbacks are so great. They 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 beat beat you before the play has even you know been snapped. But I do like, you know, Mike Selfino likes to say that there's an ideal interception percentage. It's not zero. You know, Burrow yeah. is willing to hold the ball. Well, Burrow is willing to, in a league where everything is dink, dink and dunk, he's willing to throw the ball intermediate and deep. And let's just embrace this because there's a lot of offenses that are like, okay, yeah, we're going to take a seven-yard completion and just try to matriculate the ball down the field. I like that the Bengals, they want to take a, a swing at you. You know, they, they want to do exciting things. You know, that Jamar Chase or T. Higgins can score. And, and even yesterday, Tyler Boyd, you know, can score a long touchdown any snap of the football. I, it's just fun to see a team that pushes the ball downfield because not that many teams do it anymore. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, we're we're going to get into the pickups now. I, but before we do, we'll just say that the standard COVID warnings are very much still in place in week 17. Um, so obviously, you have to keep an eye on news and on your fantasy roster throughout the week. Fill the bench with guys that you wouldn't mind starting as a as a backup option to uh, uh, players that you've been leaning on all season. Man, I had a I, I don't know what your worst story was from this past week, but I had a league it, it, one of my favorite teams, one of my best teams, and they advanced. Like we got through to the finals, but it's a Lamar Jackson team. But I had Taysom Hill to back up Lamar Jackson, and then that wasn't viable. And so I pivoted to Justin Fields, and then that wasn't viable. So then I pivoted to Tyler Huntley, and then that wasn't viable. So we settled on Matt Ryan, and I and I barely squeaked through. I mean, like the the decisions that we have to make late in the week right now are crazy. Um, I I don't remember a time when I was so jittery and so skittish about about rosters. I don't know, like on Fridays and Saturdays. Um, but that has very much been the case lately. Yeah, you, you hit a lot of those themes in the Fantasy Points newsletter last week, which has been excellent all season. Just a hat, hat tip for that. You know, are you eligible for an FSWA Newcomer Award? Fantasy Points? I don't know. But, <laughs> we uh, actually we got rid of the Newcomer Award because we've never successfully given it to a newcomer. It's like the, the PGA Tour got rid of the Comeback Player of the Year Award when Steve Stricker <laughs> won it in, multi, in back-to-back seasons. <laughs> it's like, okay. I think this award doesn't work anymore. It's broken. But um, not yet. You're, I mean, look, we know with the current state of health in America, um, it's, it's the news cycle is 24-7. Not, not to mention, I don't know when this started, but Adam Schefter started a cottage industry of you know, giving out news like in the middle of the night on the weekend, right? I mean, right. You know, Schefter starts tweet bombing at, at 3 or 4 in the morning. So I, I'm not saying anybody shouldn't skip their sleep or anything, but you, you got to be on Twitter. You have to have access to quick news. And you have to build your bench as if they may play. You know, you don't know what team um, may, be, may be hit by a wave of inactives, and it can happen at any point during the week. So you have to be mindful of that. And so it means your roster construction may be a different shape than what you're used to. You know, there's a certain position you may be like, okay, I know I'm playing this quarterback. You know, look at what Andy went through yeah. last week with like five different quarterbacks. I mean, you have to have a backup quarterback. You know, in one league where there really weren't a lot of good quarterbacks available, I picked up Mac Jones 
just on the idea that if something happens to Justin Herbert, I, I got to play somebody else, you know, and the, the best I could find was Mac Jones, which shows you how thin the, the wire was. But and, and kudos to the, the Bills for just absolutely dump trucking the Patriots. That final score was misleading. Buffalo never punted. Right. It made me sad. I had Gabe Davis on a bunch of teams. And, uh, you know, I, I like to think that the Isaiah McKenzie game could have been the Gabe Davis game. But um, that just shows you. I mean, you know, last week we were excited to pick up Gabe Davis, you know, if, if, if available. Yeah. And then it turned into, I don't know if you pivoted McKenzie anywhere. I didn't see that coming. I wish I had. No, I pivoted it, to it, Sanders. Pivoted to Sanders. Okay. <laughs> okay. Felt good about it, too. We actually had a good, touchdown yeah. bounce off. Enjoyed. Of so good process. Good process, but not not the greatest result. But um, yeah, so have you know, just you're in the finals. You, you can do your diligence for one more week. You know that's why you lift all the weights, and then uh, you know, <laughs> next week you can pick your parade route. You know, get the get the championship hats and t-shirts out there, and and you know, to the winner will go the spoils. But you know, just put in your diligence for one more week. All right, let's start with the running backs because um, we had, you know, we had the most troubling injuries at the running back position this week. Obviously, you always do. We got a we got a lead here with James Robinson, who has the torn Achilles. Just a just a wild season for Robinson. He deserves so much better. Um, before we even got to the injury portion of his season, right? He deserved better. He was getting yanked in and out of the uh, out of the lineup, off the field. Um, just a just a wild year, beginning with the with the ETN draft pick till now. Um, you'd absolutely hate to see this. Great story, really fun back. He was a totally recession-proof uh, uh, runner when you know he wasn't getting jerked around by his coaching staff. So, hate to see that. Um, also, Miles Sanders suffered a fractured hand. Uh, there are some reports that he is going to attempt to play through it. Clyde Edwards-Helaire left the the Chiefs Steelers totally non-competitive game um, with a collarbone injury, but X-rays were negative. Uh, don't yet know exactly his status for next week, but obviously you hear collarbone, you only worry about one thing, and um, the X-rays were negative, so that's a good sign. Guys, we have to talk about guys that uh, guys that I mentioned in the column. I, I don't I don't know how to avoid Rex Burkhead. Um, do I do I trust him? Not necessarily, but the man just delivered a 149 yard rushing effort, couple of touchdowns. I don't know how many people started him. I actually I rostered him in a couple of leagues. I'm not even patting myself on the back because that's like it was total desperation. And I basically expected 50 yards and a possibility that he would fall into the end zone. And boy, did he like, he had a great game. Um, so I don't know that it carries over to next week. He's got the Niners. The Niners are certainly more challenging opponent than the chargers run funnel defense, but, uh, I don't know, maybe it's a lot of carries. I mean, he's, he's looking at huge volume and you're just hoping that he can convert that into something. The Sanders injury opens the door for either Jordan Howard or Boston Scott or both, Jordan Howard, I believe, also left the game with a stinger. Uh, that was not a particularly competitive game against the Giants. So we'll see. We know that they like Howard when they get inside of the goal line. So I think both of those guys get moderately interesting. The player set up to benefit from the James Robinson injury is, of course, Dare Agumbawale. Um, he's he's not great, right? Like he had 57 rushing yards and he had a, a short score, a one or a two yard uh, uh, rushing score against the Jets, the guy over the course of, I think, five NFL seasons has averaged three, three and a half yards per carry. Not great, not a particularly spectacular runner, but he, he, he could be a guy who, who falls into 20 touches next week. That would matter. That would help. Uh, who else? Derek Gore, perhaps out there. Obviously, Daryl Williams is the guy who would benefit most from uh, CEH potentially being absent, but Derek Gore would play a role as well. He had a significant role, again, against the Steelers in a totally non-competitive game, but he could get moderately interesting. Uh, who did I leave out, and how do you sort those guys out, Scott? 
Yeah, I um, I, I can't think of anybody you did leave out. I, I didn't see Boston Scott on the script, but I would have mentioned him. The Philadelphia guys are where I would go to first, although the problem with that backfield is you always have to be mindful of Jalen Hurts, who did not run a lot yeah. in, in week 16. He ran, you know, I, I was concerned week 15. I actually told plenty of people to maybe not play Jalen Hurts two weeks ago. And, you know, he ran like crazy. I guess, okay, I guess the ankle's fine. And then he was a little bit muted in that Giants game. Man, the Giants, if the Giants just went home for the rest of the season, nobody would miss them. <laughs> they they can't even, they didn't even get the 200 yards of offense yesterday. That's how bad yeah. this, that's, forget 300. 300's like, let's let's have a party. You know, they can't even get the 200 yards. It's, it's just, Jake Fromm was, you know, he had like 11 passing yards at halftime in a game that had, no weather issues. What a what a bad football team that is. I would just start over with everything. I would I would not bring anything back from that team. I, I may even I may even relocate. I may even move the team <laughs> to San Francisco or something. I, I don't know what I would do. If the bring Giants back the old Canton over. Bulldogs. Yeah, something. <laughs> yeah, you know Portland. Does Portland need a franchise? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, the Philadelphia guys are where I would go, and I don't have a great way to differentiate between Howard or Scott. I think their usage will be they'll they'll probably both get double digit touches. We just saw the football team. They they had their moment, you know, a month or so where they had a couple of close games where they won, but I don't think anybody ever took them seriously as a playoff contender. And man, did they just get absolutely woodshedded by the Cowboys. I was worried about the Dallas offense this week too. I guess it's the wrong weekend to worry about Dak Prescott. He was he was having a day. And uh, I mean, when you get benched in the third quarter because the game isn't you you're arrested, I should say, in the third quarter because the game isn't competitive or that. That says a lot right there. But um, the Philly guys where I'd go to first, if Burkhead had, and, and look, it feels kind of gross to be recommending Rex Burkhead, but <laughs> Houston, Houston's kind of like, they're kind of like the the Lions of the of the AFC. And by the way, shout yeah, out to the Lions. They have a great call. record against the good spread. Call. They only have two wins and a tie, but the Lions have covered like nine nine or 10 times. But um, Houston, they're, they're scrappy. Davis Mills has not been over his head. They just beat a, a Chargers team that we know is good. I mean, you know, they're a flawed team. Like everybody feels flawed this year, but uh, there's nothing fluky about that about that game. I, I just I have a lot of respect for the San Francisco defense, and I'm afraid that if you play Burkhead, you're gonna be like, oh, yeah, he got plenty of touches. He got like 17 carries. They went for like 43 yards. You know, he never got near the end zone. I'm afraid that could be what you're looking at with with Burkhead. But you know, Davis. Well, that's, that's what we've gotten from Burkhead all season, right? It's been 16 right. carries, 50 yards, no touchdown. But you're always looking at the at the workload like, hmm, maybe that is the Burkhead, right? That's yeah. what the Burkhead is. You know, it, it would be a sandwich at the delicatessen where you'd get a lot of meat. But it would be a meat that nobody wants to eat. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, we're, it's a really big sandwich. Nobody finishes it. No, nobody actually really wants it. It usually gets thrown out after you've taken a couple bites of it. That's the Rex Burkhead sandwich. So um, I lean to the Philly guys. Um Burkhead will get you volume that will end up with like, you know, 7.1 fantasy points. If that, that may do something, you know, running back so gross every week with, with opt-outs and with, with, with health situations that sometimes all you need, you know, I mean, I, I had to play Craig Reynolds this week. Not that I, I dislike yeah. Craig Reynolds, but they were down to a backup quarterback. He wasn't going to have the backfield to himself anymore. I have Miles Gaskin going in a, in a game tonight. I, if he gets me eight points, if he gets me a Burkhead, I would be thrilled. Right. Um, I'm not sure he's even going to do that. He could easily get me negative points for all I know. So um, it, it comes down to expectations. The Philly guys are the ones I'll be circling around. And you know, Derek Gore, the problem with Gore is I just think Williams is going to be more involved. And it's isn't for it sure. so funny how, how Kansas City's fixed their season, but their offense has never really looked like the Chiefs that we've grown up with the last few years. You know, Mahomes is not going to be the MVP. I, their offense is OK. I mean, it, 
no Tyree Kill involvement this week. We know Kelsey didn't even play. Um, if you know, if, if you win your best ball teams that had McCole Hardman and got nothing out of them for three months, congratulations. He, he actually showed up. Byron Pringle was their signature pass catcher in that game. I don't know. I mean, Gore's probably going to get nine to 11 touches. Um, that, that's something, but it's not like it used to be where any seat on the chief's bus was, a, was a good seat. I don't feel that way anymore. Well, I will, I will say that they're just a week removed from both Tyreek and Kelsey going off. And then both of them, the Raiders, the list. they just and, smashed the Raiders. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm perfectly willing to give a player a, a pass when they come off the COVID list one day and have to play the next day. And, and sure. it was a quiet effort from from Hill. Certainly a good sign that Mahomes was still able to to essentially be Mahomes without having his two primary weapons uh, at, at full capacity, Kelsey not even playing. And that that defense has been such a wild story, right? Because they were, you know, there was a point in the season, like pretty deep into the season that they were giving up almost wasn't it like it was like seven yards per play or something like that it was like high sixes silly number um super vulnerable and then basically from like week eight on it it's been really legit and uh, uh, listen of course they just ran into a couple of teams that they that they steamrolled that are that are just absolutely on fumes right now but it has been it has been quite a revival for the chiefs i mean you can squint a little bit and see the chiefs of old i think that's fair yeah, right. I mean, first month of the season, they were turning every opponent into the greatest show on turf, yeah. the Rams. You know, that, that's, it looked like a historically bad defense, and they fixed it. And that's what coaching is, right? Is Coaching is how do you get better as the season goes along. So shout out to the Kansas City coaching staff, especially the defensive. I mean, we always talk about the Kansas City offensive coaching staff, but shout out to the defensive staff that's that's fixed yeah. this unit and, um, and made them they're going to be in the pilot chair when the playoffs start. So uh, that's something. I, I guess would you – do you prefer Burkhead or Gore? If you had, if you couldn't get the Philly guys, who would be your priority pickup? Yeah, I'd go, I'd go volume. I'd, I'd go yeah, Burkhead. To, I, w- I, I would hate to, I would hate to start either one of them. Really, I don't think I'd, you know, ideally you wouldn't start either one of them. The only situation would be, I don't know, maybe you had James Robinson, you somehow made it through, right, and you've just got to play somebody. I think I'd probably chase the guy who has the greater, who has the more likely path to twenty touches, even if those twenty touches could very easily result in like fifty-five or sixty yards. I think I'd probably go totally Burkhead fair. there. But I agree with you on the I agree with you on the Philly backs 100. percent I think that's that's really where there's a potential payoff and there's there's the possibility of multiple touchdowns. Let's transition to the quarterbacks and I just I have no I have no good names I have no easy fixes. Uh, if you're still trying to like I am in one league, hopefully Lamar Jackson can come back. If he can't, I'll be I'll probably just try to patch it with whichever Ravens quarterback plays because um, apparently they're all going to be great dual threat quarterbacks, good for fantasy. Uh, the guys that I mentioned in the column are, it's just a rogues gallery. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Carson Wentz, Davis Mills. Mills is an interesting player to talk about, not necessarily from a fantasy perspective, but because he's been so steady lately, right? Like he's just, he's just 250 and a couple of touchdowns and he just had a good week without Brandon Cooks, which I thought was really impressive. So you're right to, to call out Houston as basically the, the Detroit Lions of the AFC in that they've remained competitive despite, you know, being uh, outgunned constantly and uh, and obviously not having a whole lot to play for when you look at the standings. But they've been competitive. They've been they've been super frisky. Obviously, they they just dealt the Chargers a, a loss that I did not see coming. Uh, other guys I mentioned, Justin Fields, just in case he plays, he's coming back from an ankle injury. And of course, you know, Tua Tagovailoa has never reached 50% rostered this entire season, assuming he gets out of the the New Orleans game. Okay, he's got Tennessee coming up and that's a, a relatively friendly matchup. 
I don't know. I'm looking at these quarterbacks. I wish I had a good reason to pitch any of them. I know. Uh, at least I know. with Fields, I can tell myself maybe he would run for 50 or 60 yards. I, I guess we'll see how healthy he would be. The, f- the problem with Wentz is when he bottoms out, he bottoms out. He made five completions in the win over New England. And man, I, I th- this is a guy who I feel like should have a 15 interception season. He doesn't, but it feels like he throws the ball to the other team an awful lot. I agree. Um, Vegas is the, the, the Wentz can- problem is also like a little bit of the Baker Mayfield problem, right? Like they just they just want to they want to throw the ball like 18 or 20 times. They do not want to be a volume passing offense. For sure. I, I, I'm looking at these guys. I don't see, I don't know. I, maybe if Tua does something good against the Saints, which I don't think he will, maybe it would inspire you against Tennessee. At least Tua is not going to get usurped by his backfield. I, I know Duke Johnson had a game a couple weeks ago, but you would think usually the touchdowns are routed through him. He'll occasionally run one in. Tennessee's defense is ordinary. I mean, they're another team that's well coached and they'll show up, but there's nothing about their defense and the stats that concerns you. I don't know. I, I hope I hope you don't have to play any of these quarterbacks. I guess that's my bottom line. You can decide who's your and, and maybe we talked about the importance of a backup, right? I mean, maybe this, this, this is what your quarterback is. You know, he's a backup in case somebody ends up on the injury report or somebody ends up on the COVID list and you have to run with one of those guys. In that case, I'm thinking four. And I guess the best floor would probably be Tua. But um, I hope you're not playing these quarterbacks in championship. League. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell that. you in the in the league in which I have Lamar, um, I, I think I'm I think I, I, I don't know the status of Huntley yet, obviously, but I think I'm just going to try to roster both Huntley and Johnson. I'm going to play whichever Ravens starter I get. Baltimore quarterback, okay. The thing there is you get the Baltimore infrastructure and you get, um, you know, for all the talk we've had about Jonathan Taylor, justly, and about Cooper Cup, you know, we've celebrated Cooper Cup for months. The right answer at the tight end position, and and a guy who deserves to be mentioned shortly after those guys is Mark Andrews, who's, who's produced with every quarterback, uh, he's produced, you know, in, in positive game script, negative game script. And really the thing with Andrews is that before the season, the only knock on him is that they didn't really target him that much. He'd get like 80 to 90, 95 targets a year. This year, they've finally blown the the roof on that. And he's the tight end, you know, the perfect draft would have included a Mark Andrews pick in around yep. round four, round five. And just hats off to him because it hasn't mattered. Again, he's done it with Huntley. He's done it with Johnson. Certainly he, he's done it with Lamar Jackson. So um, I don't even know who the number two tight end right answer would be. Um, I, I, nobody's popping to mind. Or, you know, um, Gronkowski was good for a while, then he got hurt. A lot of guys have flamed out at this position. I feel like we've been trying to get lucky at this position in a lot of leagues. But um, if you have Mark Andrews, man, you, you've had uh, a, a set it and forget it guy all season. Yeah, a near a near golden ticket pick. You're right. I, I think he is. You know, if if you construct the the draft that would have been an absolutely ideal fantasy roster, I think he probably is part of it because you could have had him in round four, round five. So good. Um, and he's double digit targets basically every week now. I, I want to before we move on to the wide receivers, I want to want to ask you a little bit more about like you were giving me a Dak take there. Um, Dak Prescott, like like just I mean, what a funk he was in, right? Like a like a month of game. I mean, we talked about him on Fantasy Football Live and, and said a. Uh, we set a fantasy points over under for him at like 19.9 or something like that because he hadn't been close to it in in like three weeks. Um, he'd gone three weeks, I, I want to say, without multiple touchdowns, without a 300-yard game. Everybody questioning him. I'm not even sure you made it to, you know, maybe in a super flex. Um, you, you made it to the semifinals with Dak Prescott on a roster. And then he just erupted. Like he had 20 points in the in the blink of an eye, you know, like you could have – 
you know, if you if you skipped part of the first quarter of that game for dinner or something, you came back and Dak Prescott was like 21 for 23 or whatever it was. And he'd already cleared 20 fantasy points. He was great. He was he was absolutely phenomenal. Even some of his incompletions were were beautiful in that first half. Just a just a great game for Dallas overall. However, he did it against a defense that has given up the most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks all year. That's just been, in, you know, super user friendly in, in Washington. So I don't know. How do you project the the Cowboys going forward? They're the number two seed, I believe, in the NFC right now. They're a game behind Green Bay. Uh, I suppose that they're one of those teams that could that could sit starters in in week 18, assuming they get another sort of consolidation from a week from uh, from Dak and company uh, in the week ahead. Right. I would I would think they would want to have two great weeks uh, going into the playoffs instead of just one. But I don't know. What's your what's your read on the Cowboys overall right now? Uh, You're right to mention the opponent. And and I probably when we talked about Burrow earlier you can't get past the fact that Baltimore secondary is just so yeah. riddled with injuries that, you know, he, he was picking on a, a real plum matchup. You know, don't be, don't be fooled. I always say with defensive matchups, don't be fooled by the helmet decal, right? I mean, you think like, Oh, the Ravens, they're good on defense. The bears, they're good on Pittsburgh. defense. The Steelers, great example. Yeah. They're, you know, they're always good on defense. No, not, not this year for, for different reasons. All of those teams are matchups we can exploit and, and Washington's another team Man, did I think uh, I was I was wrong on just about everything I said about Washington this year. You know, I, I went after Terry McLaurin everywhere I could get him. I think he's been done in by his infrastructure, but um, I thought the defense was going to be an impressive unit. It's been the exact opposite. With you know, they had a dead cat bounce about a month ago, but man, did they get absolutely exposed last week? You know, I, I joke about every year. I make the same joke that there's no dance like the dance of the recently eliminated. I'm sure there's a lot of teams that had Dak Prescott that were out of the playoffs. That had to had to watch this game. Like, where was this when I needed it? Right, it's a good call. You know, it's a really um, good call. Yeah, man. You, you know, when you get eliminated from the fantasy playoffs, especially if a bunch of your key players have duds, I can't say enough. Get to the DFS board the next week and play that team. You know, <laughs> um, because that that team is going to dance, and you're not going to get anything out of it. You're just going to get more frustrated. But you know, with Dallas, it's it's always been a question of. The health, right? I mean, uh, Zeke was dinged up for a while. Uh, their star left tackle has been in and out. Smith has been in and out of the lineup. Uh, C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper have been unavailable at times. Michael Gallup missed a chunk of the season. I'd like to see this offense with all the all the tentacles in place because I think it's it's a top two, top three offense. I think we all like Kellen Moore as a play caller. Um, be interesting to see if he takes a head coaching job, although. I don't, I don't know. It's funny. Sometimes I wonder if we promote play, we promote coaches out of where they should be. You know, maybe Kellen Moore should be, you know, yeah. just be an offensive coordinator. He's so good at it. And teams just need to pay up for that type of skill. But I'm sure Jerry Jones won't be eager to let him go. But I'd love to see Dallas be a factor in the NFC. Um, this would be a fun playoffs, right? Um, Tampa Bay. And I wasn't surprised, by the way, that see Antonio Brown get targeted off the bus. I think Tom Brady knows if they're going anywhere, they need Antonio Brown to be engaged and to be like a, a star receiver. So he's like, okay, let's work on that. Today we're working on Antonio Brown. Here's 15 targets yeah. pretty much once the game started. I want to believe in Dallas. Um, Dak Prescott's one of my favorite players. I, I still weep for what they would have done last year had he not gotten injured. They had a defense that couldn't stop anybody. That's the thing that's different about this Dallas team and why they're dangerous in the playoffs. They have playmakers on defense. They take the ball away. They are a turnover-driven, a mayhem-driven defense which is how you have to play defense these days. You're, you're probably not going to stop the other team, but if you can rattle them with sacks, you can rattle them with a few turnovers. That's all you really need your defense to do. Dallas has the playmakers who do things like that. So I think they're dangerous for that reason. And isn't it strange? I, look, Dallas just 
did anything it wanted against Washington. So I'm not here to slam the Dallas offense, but just so weird to think of Kansas City and Dallas where the defensive units might be the, the better unit on the team. Who would have thought that right. if I had told you they were both prime playoff contenders, but maybe it's more of a defensive story than an offensive story. I mean, just kind of the strange place we are in 2021. Yeah, you're so right to describe Dallas's defense that way, too, because it's not like it's not like you can't move the ball against them. That happens. Right. We've even I mean, we've seen digs burned this year. They're just so opportunistic and they have, you know, they got a couple of game records there. And and when those guys make plays, they can like they can actually score. It's like, you know, it's like a version of the the old like Lovey Smith Bears defense, right, where you could move the ball up and down the field, but they were so geared toward ripping it out of your arms and actually scoring with it that it carried them an awfully long way. And that is that is probably how you have to play defense today. Right. Because you're just there's just no hope of of holding these offenses to like, you know, you're not going to hold good teams to like 12 points, 14 points. It just doesn't happen anymore. So you might yeah, as well. Great, great. Love Smith drop. He used to talk about that. We yeah. want to score. That was the goal. It wasn't to stop the other guys. We want to score. And the other thing that's so hard about defense is the speed of the game. The hitting zone on the player is like the size of a yeah. postage stamp. And God forbid the player tilts his head a little bit or contorts his body a little bit. Then you're hitting him low, you're hitting him high, and then the flags start flying. And it's really we've, – we've look, I get part of this is just the bigger, faster, stronger nature of the NFL. It's just hard to officiate it. But all the rules have been put in to help the offense. It's so difficult to play defense that – Rather than try to play straight up, I mean, you know, like the Patriots, their special sauce is always, okay, you're going to move the ball on us. You're not going to score in the red zone. You'll get fewer points than your yardage suggests you should get. That's their kind of way they play. These other teams where they're trying to get, you know, they, they just want to make one, you know, the thing in rounders is you want to win one big pot an hour, right? I mean, I think the Cowboys yeah. are like, okay, let's make one big play every hour. You know, let's leave this game with two or three takeaways, two or three sacks, we can do that. You know, the offense can win the game for us. I, I think that's the way you have to play modern defense because to play it straight up and, and to try to combat the speed of the game and the legislation of the game is just so difficult to do. Yeah, well said. Uh, let's let's transition to the wide receivers. I think probably the biggest new injury situation is actually an old injury situation. Adam Thielen played. Um, came back from the high ankle injury and then aggravated it, um, trotted back out onto the field, I think made one catch, left the game again. I have to assume that he's gonna be he's gonna be hobbled moving forward. Guys that I thought got really interesting. Um I, you mentioned one of them earlier, Isaiah McKenzie. I don't know what the future holds for him. He was saw him in the slot a lot. I, I have like he had a better game in week 16 than Cole Beasley has had out of the slot all season, caught a touchdown. Uh, I want to say, was it was it 11 targets, 12 targets, caught all but one of them, goes over 100 yards. McKenzie was great, um, an absolute playmaker as a return man. Uh, just looked just looked totally comfortable. Obviously, his quarterback is as good as it gets. So McKenzie was really interesting. And if I think Davis is a lock to miss another week, I'm not sure what Beasley's situation is, but I think at least one of those guys is going to miss week 17. So I think McKenzie remains interesting for fantasy purposes. Uh, other guys I mentioned, Alan Lazard, obviously MVS is on the COVID list. Don't know how long that's going to last, but Lazard caught a touchdown, caught a historic touchdown from Aaron Rodgers uh, this past week. KJ Osborne is obviously the guy that would get most interesting with Thielen sideline. This is like three touchdowns in four games for Osborne. He's good. He's not feeling, but he's very good. And another guy who I think of is just a bit of a wild card because in part because he gets the Bears next week and the Bears defense has just get like I can't remember the last time the Bears escaped a game without giving up just two 
crushing like long touchdowns right and Kadarius Tony feels like a, a a strong candidate if we're if we're going to get one of those plays from the Giants next week it's probably going to come from Kadarius Tony he's ret- he's had just a medley of things right I, a couple of different injuries spent time on the COVID list finally came back saw nine targets they were they were targets from Fromm and from Glennon so they weren't great targets and he's going to be burdened with that again next week but he sure seems like a guy who could take a short touch and and turn it into something special against that Bears defense yeah I, I agree with all the good things you said about Tony in general to which I would say draft him next year don't yeah. play him in week 17 <laughs> I, I hear you I hear you. the Giants are the worst offense in football and Again, they couldn't get 200 yards last week against the Philadelphia defense. This is not the you know, Reggie White, Jerome Brown, Buddy Ryan, def- you know, Eagles defense. This is, this is a very ordinary group, and they couldn't move the ball at all. So I can't sign off on that. But Lazard, we know how Green Bay's wired. They're another team that they get their primary guys the ball. But Lazard's probably going to have five catches, maybe a 50-50 shot at a touchdown if MVS doesn't play. Although they, do, they don't do exactly the same thing. I don't want to make it like it's an apples-for-apples apples yeah. comp. But... We also the thing with Green Bay is how many times does Rodgers you'll get off to the smoking hot start and the game ends is like he's got the three touchdowns but he's got like two hundred nineteen passing yards or something. I mean they they do not put the foot on people's throats. Yeah, I you know I thought about um, setting that up as a as a separate discussion point in this podcast. It's it's weird. They're I, like I think they're the clear favorite in the NFC and yet you look at their last two games and it's like a two point win and a one point win. Yeah, it's not like Cleveland. Well, that that's that Christmas game, right? It was like Baker interception, Rogers touchdown pass, Baker Mayfield commercial. You know, when when is the yeah. Baker Mayfield commercial <laughs> season finally over? That guy, man, he he certainly realized that it was the right time to say yes to everything because you yep. don't know how long your moment in the sun is going to last. And I I have a feeling that we may have a different pitchman next year, but we'll see. We'll see how. I don't know. I mean, I actually think he's he's pretty good on those commercials, but. I think he's really good in the commercials. I also think he's a guy who's played through some stuff this year and has done himself no favors in terms of of reputation as a player for doing it, right? Like it's, he's become a bit of a punchline over that, but man, that guy's like, he doesn't have a good shoulder. He's got, he's got all kinds of issues. I, when you were, when we were discussing Washington earlier, I was thinking the same of Antonio Gibson, um, because he takes so much fire from Washington fans, from fantasy managers, that guy's played through a broken leg and now turf toe hasn't missed a game this year. Like just shows up and does his job to the best of his ability. Like I've actually been, I don't know, as a just as an athlete, as a, as a person, as a committed athlete, I feel like Antonio Gibson has had a remarkable season and a lot of fantasy managers are really are really kicking him. Yeah, he and he did in that blowout loss. He did sneak in a touchdown reception in the first half. So at least he gave you some points um, and he, he hasn't been 100 percent all season. I mean, we, we may be saying next year when Antonio Gibson is like a league winning pick, we may be laughing at like, Oh yeah. You remember how cheap he was on draft day because everybody was yeah. mad about the second season, but he's never healthy. Now he's finally healthy again. And to be fair to Mayfield, yeah, he threw those picks at green Bay. The last pick, obviously the Packers get away with blatant pass interference. Um, and it's one thing to call like ticky tack pass interference. That was pass interference that led to the result of the play. I mean, it's just hard to imagine I, that they blew that call because it, it should have been that, that was like for the 1980s, maybe even 1970s pass interference. That was like legit <laughs> right. old school pass interference. Yeah, that's, that's how the Steelers and Raiders used to play defense. So um, they had no problem with the call. But um, as a neutral observer, I had really no no uh, horse in that race, but I didn't think it was the right call. But I think the tricky the tricky thing with this receiver board is what do you do with Isaiah McKenzie, who comes out of nowhere 
has a huge game. I, I would think that Davis probably not available this week, but I don't, I don't know. He's a player. Nobody would be surprised if he had 20 yards this week. I mean, what, yeah. what is your projection? We know Atlanta is a plus matchup. Uh, we'll have to be concerned with the weather. It's in Buffalo. So, you know, you hope you don't get another win game like we had a few weeks ago against the Patriots. Although Josh Allen actually threw the ball very well on that night. But how do you play McKenzie going forward? Because I think that might be the hardest question you have to ask. These other guys, we kind of know who they are. We've seen enough of KJ Osborne. We know who he is. We we certainly know who Alan Lazard is. And if you dance with Kadarius Tony, as talented as he is, you know what you're getting into with those quarterbacks. I feel like McKenzie has a, a range of outcomes that includes like 90 yards and a touchdown and includes like 11 yards. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fair. And it, it could well be that he is, he is more the direct replacement for Cole Beasley. Maybe he's, maybe he's more tied to the Beasley situation than he is the Davis situation. Uh, he is a guy who just saw double digit targets though. And we've talked about it a couple times. Like if somebody's going to see 12 targets, you know, they're, they're worth a speculative pickup, um, at least in the middle of the season. I don't know that I would plug him directly into a fantasy lineup, but the fact that Josh Allen is there makes me feel better about McKenzie than pretty much anybody else on this list. Yep. Well said. I'll sign off on that. Let's, uh, let's hit the tight ends quickly. I don't have new and exciting names for you here either. Um, shout out to Scott for, for, uh, for kind of, Maybe I won't see banging the table, but for but for noting um, that Gerald Everett was uh, a, a strong, viable ad this coming week. And Everett, you know, like they like him at the goal line. Um, Everett finds the end zone again. It's not like, you know, he's he's tied to the Seattle passing game just like everybody else. So he's a little bit hamstrung by it. But they do like him when they get in, in goal to go situations. So uh, Everett, I think, is is probably the strongest ad among those that is widely available right now. Foster Moreau is now also coming off back to back like 60 yard games. Sometimes that's all you're looking for at tight end, a guy with a shot at finding the end zone who, who is probably going to finish with 50, 60 receiving yards that generally puts you inside the top 12 at the position. Uh, Everett though gets Detroit this week, which is a little bit friendlier matchup. So I don't know who, who am I missing here that I should be talking about? I, I can't give you anybody good. Um, <laughs> one of the Bears tight ends can can I interest you in Jimmy Graham or Cole Komet? Oh, they're so, they're so painful. Like we we talked about them on Fantasy Football Live a little bit because for who knows what reason Cole Komet was actually like a trending topic for a little while. Komet has a moment, and Bears fans know this, but I don't know that everybody else does. Um, Komet has like a moment every game where a ball bounces off his numbers either either directly to a defender or it falls to the turf and it's like a crushing, you know, third down that they should have picked up and they didn't pick up. Um, he's been not a game wrecker exactly, but he's been quite a drive killer. Not particularly impressive, although they do keep targeting him. And then you think, okay, well, this is a guy who's seeing six, eight targets. And, and then they trot Jimmy Graham on the field uh, when they when they get in the, you know, in the red zone. And Jimmy Graham vultures all these touchdowns that could otherwise go to Cole Komet, who, again, not a particularly impressive player, but he does see some targets. I have nothing good to say about Bears tight ends, I guess, is where we're at. I feel like Jimmy Graham's going to hang on long enough to catch the first touchdown pass from Patrick Mahomes, the third, you know, from Trey <laughs> Mahomes. You know, he's just, he's just, you're not going to get rid of Jimmy Graham. You know, he's going to have a season where he catches eight passes, seven for touchdowns, and he has like 13 yards. It's going to be the Frank Gore um, of tight ends. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see that. Uh, Gerald Everett's my guy here. Um, and no problem with Moreau either. Um, you know, a, a friend of mine was asking about uh, O'Shaughnessy versus Moreau this week. And, and O'Shaughnessy was okay in the, Jaguar game but I just said you know the thing with Moreau is at least Derek Carr is a certain level of competence at quarterback and I, I yeah. felt like that was the way to break the tie 
uh, and, and Everett's getting Russell Wilson, who's looked a little bit better every week. I, this is still not the Seattle offense that we're used to with Wilson. And I, I do think that Seattle and Wilson is headed to a mutually beneficial breakup at the end of the season. But uh, Everett right now, it's gotten to the point where if I told you Seattle just scored a touchdown, Everett's odds of catching that touchdown are probably as good as anybody else's. Yep, yep absolutely true. It was like, man, I, I've still got, maybe I'm one of the only people that has DK Metcalf on a roster that's still alive. Man, he scored that early touchdown, and I was like, okay, we're finally going to have a DK Metcalf day. And then he caught one one additional pass the rest of the afternoon. And it was a blizzard, right? Maybe I should. But 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 teams were passing the ball just fine. That didn't seem to be a major issue. Long score for DK Metcalf early, and then nothing the rest of the game. Yeah. Um, one of my fades was um, Evan Ingram, who I just refused. I know Philadelphia is the tight end giveaway team, but I just refused to say anything nice about Evan Ingram. And even when he scored a late touchdown, I'm like, you know, I, I still want to insist that I was right. You know, I mean, they, yeah. they had 190 yards of offense. You know, he did nothing the whole freaking game. But you know, you know what the LCNFL needs to do is they need to mandate and, and, Kudos to Seattle for coming through with this. There needs to be one game in the snow all through December and January. <laughs> that, that should be mandatory. Yes. It's a good call. Everybody loves football in the snow, you know? And um, I guess maybe the Bears were more snow-worthy than Seattle because they had their snow tires on. They got their win, you know? it's. I feel like we're always talking negative about the Bears, but, I mean, a glorious win for you guys at Seattle. So you want to bask in that a little bit? Hell yeah. I love it. In fact, that's a perfect note for us to go out on. Um, I, I love it. Uh, the Bears are the hottest team in the NFL right now. No question about it. Got the Giants coming up. That's a that's a second straight win. Feeling good about it overall. Um, that is going to do it for this episode, but we will keep the conversation going on Twitter. You can follow me at Andy Barons. You should follow Scott at Scott underscore Pianowski. For fantasy news and analysis from the entire team, make sure you're also following at Yahoo Fantasy. Scott, of course, will be back tomorrow with omnipresent podcaster Frank Schwab. He's always potting somewhere for the betting preview of Week 17 in the NFL. Until then, we are out.